Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. It is The Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are broadcasting live from The Warehouse, 1825 South, 300 West. Their brand new Salt Lake location. There's also the Orem location, of course, 86 East University Parkway. Uh, Brian Dunseth, who, of course, uh, is on RSL's broadcast with David James, uh, a color analyst. He joined DJ and PK this morning to talk about what's going on with uh, RSL and, of course, Deloy Hansen. Uh, we wanted to let you hear that conversation now right here on The Big Show on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Dunny, good morning. Dunny, good morning. PK, where are you? How are you, buddy? I am right here, ready to go. In fact, I'm I'm <laughs> gearing up for tomorrow night in Portland. My man, my man. DJ, I miss you, even though I just talked to you yesterday. <laughs> What's going on? How are you guys? I'm curious if you already bagged a peak this morning. I see you on social media. Now you got your son up there. And it's, uh, sometimes you're bagging a 7,000-foot peak, and it looks like sometimes you're ready to go to, like, 12,000 feet. Yeah, it's been fun, man. I, I got addicted. I got that that runner's high, if you will, getting to the top of uh, of the mountain. I mean, you, you and I got shut down for what five and a half months with regards to calling uh, Real Salt Lake games. So I decided in that time, uh, I did Red Pine, I did White Pine, I did Pfefferhorn, I did Upper Bells, I did Chippenogus, I did all the peaks behind Brighton. Uh, let's see, did Blanche. Uh, did all all the versions of Mount Olympus. I uh, Yeah, I, I tried to take advantage of my time just getting in the mountains and staying away from some human beings and then roped my uh, 11-year-old in the other day, and he he bagged his first. Uh, he bagged Wolverine, Patsy, Mary, all the behind Millie, and I think it was like 10,800 feet. So I know way more mountaintops in Utah than I ever thought I was capable of knowing <laughs> uh, because of this pandemic. Oh, man. All right, so uh, so let's get down to it. That was uh, an incredible 24 hours from the team walking off the field and not playing the game with LAFC to Deloitte doing one radio interview, a second interview to walk back the first interview, followed by allegations of racially inappropriate language in multiple conversations and a story in The Athletic. Um, I guess let's start at the beginning of that sequence with them walking off the field and not playing the game against Portland, or not playing the game uh, Wednesday against LAFC. I've been told Saturday is a go in the last hour. Now, we were also told Wednesday was a go at about (laughs) 3.30 in the afternoon, and it was about uh, between 6 and 6.30 that you realized, well, that's not going to end up being true, is it? Uh, Do you think they're actually going to play Saturday? So what I was told right now is uh, the team was meeting as of 9 a.m. at the training facility, um, and they were planning on going to practice today. And they were going to, I don't want to say vote, but I think there were some serious conversations that need to be had uh, on the backside of everything that happened yesterday. Um, I think this is now less about, the, and, and I'm trying, and I'm and I'm trying to walk this line nicely because the boycott itself was an incredibly strong, powerful moment. Wherever you fall in line with uh, your political side of how this was handled by athletes, it was a strong moment and one that I suggest 
led us all just to stop, shut our mouths, and listen for a minute and try to understand from the players' perspective exactly why they made such a huge decision. Because as we were saying in the post-game show and talking to Netum, Oha, the players themselves understood the gravity of the situation. They understood that there was going to be 5,000 people inside of that stadium. They understood it was going to be the first game post-pandemic, or excuse me, still pandemic, um, at Rio Tinto Stadium, that there were daily workers that were that were dependent upon those paychecks. And that was that they all they all understood that but they also they also understood that it was their opportunity to fall in line what was happening with the NBA and Major League Baseball to make a statement yesterday whole different kettle of fish uh, i think the moment that we see Deloy go on uh his first radio show uh over at Broadway Media and then double down i i i, I watched it live it was cringeworthy uh, i understand from a business perspective from the financial threat uh, the commercial deals, the loss of money, the sponsorship. Um, <clears throat> if Deloitte, in my honest opinion, would have come out and said something approaching the idea of backing the players uh, and saying, I understand, you know, this, this collective idea, what they're trying to accomplish from the financial side, let's have a conversation. I think that would have, that would have been uh, much more agreeable as opposed to what inevitably came out over the course of that 20 minute interview. Um, which led me to seeing that second interview or hearing that second interview while I'm in the middle of my series show. Uh, and I was always told if you got to do a second interview, you really, you really mucked up the first interview. Um, so those are the two phases. And then we got to the athletic article. And you and I, uh, DJ, know a lot of the players that were named in that article. Um, you know, the rumors, the whispers, the conversations have, have kind of been hovering for years, but I had never seen players – uh, be willing to go on record. And once you go on record, those are serious allegations, um, which then led to both Major League Soccer, the MLS Players Union, and the NWSL having some very serious statements come out last evening, uh, including the major uh, the MLS Players Association calling for the immediate suspension of RSL owner Deloitte Hansen uh, pending the outcome of an investigation. So, I mean, it was all over. TMZ, uh, <laughs> New York Post, uh, this is a, a worldwide story based on one 20-minute interview here in Salt Lake City. So a lot of different ways to go on that. Uh, let's go with the allegations on the story, the printed version of it. And I'm wondering, and I know you really can't answer that because you're not there and you're not these guys, but if this thing is true, I don't know if it is or it isn't. I have to take them at their first face value. But nevertheless, if those things were said and happened, why did those individuals wait this long? Yeah, it's it's well, there's twofold for me. One, they're, they were current players in real time um, and the fear of retribution. I mean, that, that's 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 an easy, easy one for me. Um when you're dependent on a paycheck, when you're when you, there's the threat or the fear of losing your job, uh, when you're dependent on that money, yeah, I, I think that's one of the one of the moments that people are afraid of speaking up. I think that's across the board, not just in this situation. Uh, and for Andy Williams to be the major player in this conversation uh, for the Athletic, um, you know, there, there's there's a bunch of reasons behind the scenes. I, I just think PK at, at times. When there is that threat of losing your paycheck, that you have responsibilities for taking care of yourself, your family, your, your wife, your children, um, that, that's the fear, that you're not going to have the collective backing. 
And that's why I think that moment is, is, is one of those watershed moments that if you're willing to go and on record and put your name to this type of really, I mean, inflammatory, serious, horrifying article that the athletic posted yesterday evening or afternoon. Um, yeah, that, that, that's a, that's a monumental moment in time, I think. So I've got some, uh, you know, I have a little bit of knowledge. You have more, Dunny, but I want to, for the listeners, throw out my theory on how, how this played out, and then you can, uh, as you love to do, as PK loves to do, you have this in common, uh, you can just, you know, thrash it apart and only buy whatever percentage you want. Um, but a hundred percent, well, first off, I had heard, and I think you had too, the, um, that third hand, fourth hand rumor mill, uh, that Andy had this experience and Andy's employed by the club and loves his job and didn't want to rock the boat. He got furloughed when everything shut down in March. And I don't know because Andy didn't return my call, but I think there was an expectation that when the MLS's back tournament started up, that he, if he's coming back, he would be brought back then. And he wasn't. But from conversations with someone else with the club who said that Andy's characterization of being brought back and the contact with the current leadership was not, they told me last night it was not accurate, that Andy was contacted three weeks ago which trying to connect the dots means to me that they knew they were going to play in stadiums. They knew they were going to start bringing fans back. This is a league that does not generate a lot of TV revenue. It's sponsorship revenue and it's ticket revenue. Uh And they're not getting the sponsorship revenue unless they get the ticket revenue. So Uh once they know three weeks ago, they've talked to the local government officials, health departments, all that, they're going to put butts in seats. I was told last night that three weeks ago they reached out to Andy. And that there have been multiple tries. One person tried, and then another person tried, and Andy didn't get back to him. Now, Andy's version is he didn't hear anything until yesterday. And talking to Paul Tenorio, one of the four guys who wrote uh, one of the four, there were four reporters who are bylined on the athletic story. Paul was one of them. And in Paul's opinion, and also in Chris Camrani's opinion, who also was one of the four, they both thought that Deloitte's radio interview in the morning on X96 was the last straw that caused these people to talk. Now, do you think I'm ballpark on the timeline with Andy? Because that's me trying to put it together with Andy not returning a phone call. So, I, I, to be very clear and transparent, I'm very good friends with Andy. Andy and I have known each other since 1997. We have played on multiple teams together. Uh, and to this day, we're still in constant communication I yes, you're right. He was furloughed. I don't know the timeline because I, all I can go by is what the conversations have been. And yes, they have been conflicting with regards to the contact being made. Mm-hmm. Um, I also know that there it's not just Andy. There was multiple people that I've spoken to that had been furloughed that were lacking. Uh, sorry that were very frustrated with the lack of communication over the time that they were furloughed. I think there was a lot of communication as to who was responsible and who should be communicating underneath this furlough, because ultimately the list of furloughed employees comes from the top. And that in itself is the difficulty. If you're the general manager, if you're the president of soccer ops, if you're the assistant general manager, if you're the coaching staff, 
how, how, when, why, uh, where do you find, you know, your own personal responsibility outside of friendship, just from a professional standpoint, um, what is your, your ability to communicate with these furloughed staff? And I think there's been a lot of confusion since that moment of who's been furloughed and who is responsible for managing those furloughed staff members. Um, whether he was coming back, whether he wasn't coming back, uh, it wasn't the first time Andy was frustrated on social media with the lack of communication. We had seen it a couple months ago um, on Twitter uh, because when Andy vents, he vents on, on, on Twitter, and we've seen that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, again, I think it comes down to your point, DJ, is that that morning show interview, I think it, it just whacked the hornet's nest. And when it whacked the hornet's nest in the manner that it did, it wasn't just members of the RSL organization. I think it it had um, it made huge waves. And what I was told yesterday was basically the moment that that radio show went to break, uh, the ivory towers in New York City, Major League Soccer, uh, there was a board that kicked off a board of governors meeting. And I don't know if it was an official one. But let's just say that I was told that all of the owners immediately, immediately got on the phone with all the higher ups and there was a serious conversation. And by the time that Deloitte went back and met with the staff, uh, his phone was already lighting up with Don Garber calling him immediately. So uh, that first interview wasn't just the kickoff for kind of the local conversation. That, that was for the national conversation and even you know, Donovan Mitchell and getting picked up by TMZ. Um, so, yeah, there's, I think there's always going to be kind of somewhere truth lies and somewhere in the middle in this gray area. Um, but at the end of the day, I think you've, you've got a lot of people that are looking for their pound of flesh right now that for one reason or another felt like they've been wronged by Deloitte over the years. And, and this is their opportunity to collectively come out and, and speak whatever truth they feel like they need to, to, to show publicly. Given the subsequent apology, do you think that there's any way we can look at that morning interview that you've referenced multiple times as being stupid in frustration? Yeah, pre the athletic article, I would have said he gave himself a chance. Um, I, I just started getting text messages. I, you know, DJ knows I, I've, I walk around. I know a lot of people. I've, I've seen a lot of people. I, I've, throughout the years from guys that were interns are now higher ups in major league soccer or at television networks. There's a lot of conversations happening in real time right now. Soccer um, is, and I, soccer is a tightly knit universe to begin with. <laughs> yes, and yes. Dunny is right in the middle of it, literally standing on an elevator and hearing someone around the corner. I know that voice. <laughs> they haven't even seen him yet. So when he says his yeah. phone is blowing up and everybody, I mean, I've seen Alexi lawless react to seeing Dunny. And if you react like that, you must be pretty good friends with someone or about to fight. Those are the only two things that are left. <laughs> so anyways, go ahead, Dunny, to back of your point, but yeah. go ahead. Thankfully, there hasn't been much, many haymakers thrown my way. Right, exactly. Um, yeah, th- this, is, you know, th- this is one of those conversations that it- it's literally going everywhere. Um, you know, from Megan Rapino to, to, to Donovan to Nick Romano jumping out yesterday um, and using his social media presence to, to have a pop. It, it's never ending. I, I was told yesterday that after the and I and, and but I only read the comments because I was in the middle of my show. I listened to the interview directly after. 
I, I thought that Deloitte did everything in his power to be as as brutally honest for the Deloitte that I know um, to kind of walk back everything that he said earlier in the morning. And I think it was, I think it was kind of cultivated that early morning interview based on the financial threat, the commercial deals and, and the money lost over sponsorship and the frustration. I, I understood that, but I think he was off the mark. And I think that his interview um, fell on deaf ears and only led to more frustration. I think the cancel culture that is social media, I think we realized very quickly how important digital is and how quickly these type of interviews can spread. The interview in the afternoon, I think, gave him a lifeline. Uh, but after that athletic article, I, I, you know, these are these are Donald Sterling moments. I don't know if you walk back from that. And that's the difficulty in all of this, you know, because you're getting you're getting text messages um, from people in New York saying, yeah, game over. There's no way that he can come back for this. So when you're saying you're getting text messages from New York, I assume you're getting text messages from pretty high levels in the league office. That's what text messages from New York means. Yeah, I mean, I'm not getting them from Don Garber. <laughs> but yeah, I'm kidding. There, there's, there's people inside the office that are probably, let, let's just put it this way. Yesterday afternoon, the whole day, was at MLS headquarters. I can't believe what came out of Salt Lake City. That that's basically what it was. And I will. Uh, there was. I'm, and I'm trying to find the the tw- the uh, the text yesterday. There was a tweet, and I'm trying to see if I can find it. Um, so there's a guy named Mickey Turner. Uh, he's based in Seattle. He is a he's a reporter and also a lawyer. Uh, Turner Esquire on Twitter. And he posted yesterday after the interview, for no reason whatsoever, here's a section of the MLS Constitution which talks about transferring ownership. And in uh, Section 5, uh, Section Section 5, in the last line of Article B, it says, when in the commissioner's sole judgment, the best interest of MLS would be served with regards to taking over ownership. This is one of those conversations where I think the Board of Governors has to vote 75% um, in agreement that they would uh, decide that Deloitte Hansen isn't fit to be a Real Salt Lake owner or an MLS owner, excuse me, anymore. And I think that's those are the conversations that are probably being had at the highest level today. I'm wondering, you know, Mr. Hansen, I don't know the guy at all. You guys do. But I know, you know, how he made his money in real estate and all and then Fairly late in life, relatively speaking, he gets involved with uh, this soccer team and it's generating media publicity. And we've seen some stubbing of the toe, if you want to call that, when they want to ban Gordon Monson because he wrote something they didn't like and all. Uh, And now he goes on the radio and this type of thing. I'm wondering if he just has no sophistication relative to public relations and media, and it's come back to bite him because he didn't grow up in the way you take like a Dave Checkets, grew up, so to speak, in front of cameras and whatnot, so he knew how to handle himself. And I'm speaking of him, obviously, because he was the former, the original owner of the team or partial owner yeah. and all this. And, and Hanson just doesn't have that sophistication or knowledge on how to do it. I think you're, you're on to something, PK, absolutely. I, I think that there's a difference. Um, and I would, I would, I would think that the Miller family over the years kind of grew into being in the public eye, um, right. because I think 
you know, much in a similar manner. We're, we're looking at Deloitte uh, and, and taking over Real Salt Lake. Um, this is the difficulty. And we know this every day, right? Every single day that we step on in front of the microphones or in front of the cameras, we're on record. We are on record. Now, when we're talking about clubs, um, we're talking, you know, sport, you know, NBA, Major League Baseball, NFL, you know, individual athletes, Real Salt Lake, MLS, anything that they put out, even apologies are going to be raked over the coals. That's inevitable. That, that's just the world we live in right now. The, the social media world is, it, it's, it's revenge driven. And so when you can break something down, that's, you know, you've, you've got to be very careful with what you put out publicly. Deloy is gregarious. He's big. You know, he, he's, he's this bigger than life, you know, personality. And when he gets going, if he steps off script, that's where we've seen generally uh, a ton of pushback for the organization. That has always, I think, been the fear. And if you're talking, you know, present day public relations, you're going all the way back to, you know, Trey Fitzgerald and company uh, when they were working for the organization. That was always the fear. Uh, you know, if, if the bullet points are there and he's on track, yeah, everything's going to come off pretty well. If he's, you know, if, if the if the balloon starts leaking air, it can go in a bunch of different directions. And I think that's the hardest part for people that are not used to being on camera, used to having a microphone in their face. Um, and, and, and listen, if you're a self-made billionaire, and I'm, this is a broad stroke, at some point you're just going to say, like, listen, I, what? You're not telling me what to do. This is my business. This I made this from scratch. I'll say whatever the hell I want to say. And uh, that that's what I think led him down the conversation yesterday with the morning show uh, and, and got him and got, you know, really, really kicked up this hornet's nest that we've seen have, you know, really for him as a human being, horrific, horrific results. I think you're right about the saying what you want to say and uh, tweaking who you want to tweak and wearing the emotions on the sleeve. And, you know, it's it's interesting. Um, Man, I I think a bunch of things and we've already we were late to break getting to you, Dunny, and now we're even later. But (laughs) Yach is enjoying this. So he just waved at us. Don't worry about it this time. Um, That's I have seen him in multiple situations decide he was going to tweak the audience. And uh-huh. just go. I yeah. saw him in Cash County at a dinner, and he decided to make some anti-Trump comments. And there were people in the room squirming. I mean, I don't know for sure how Cash County voted, but I'm pretty sure I know how Cash County voted. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure he knew what he was doing when he did it. So I yeah, think you're yeah. on to something about that. I think that when they read the story, it's easy to say, white billionaire, Utah, of course, He's racially insensitive. Yeah. And then you're hearing from New York, but how can he read the room this poorly, even if that is true? And so I think all of that frustration is weighing down on him right now. But PK is always, and he has said this, this is not, and and PK doesn't really have any skin in the game in this argument anyway. He's not emotionally attached to anybody or friends with anybody. So he's, but, but he said this multiple times on the show. Let's not judge somebody, speaking about what you said about cancel culture and social media, on the last thing they said. Let's look at the totality of everything they do. And and I agree with that, but in this case, I don't think it's going to matter at all. At all. I mean, he's at that dinner, he's fundraising and he's twisting arms to put 
pantries and schools in Logan. Well, yeah. who's that going to feed? That's going to feed the kids of those people who are working the meat packing plants up there who mm-hmm. have the outbreak of COVID and a bunch of people are sick and they don't have health insurance. And so on one hand, he's the guy who sticks up for those people. And on the other hand, he's got to answer for all these conversations. And the thing, um, when I talked to Paul Tenorio, who wrote that story for The Athletic, and Chris Kimrani, they both think that there are more people out there who may come forward with stories. Which, to your uh-huh. point, even if you're off on game over, even though you're getting texted at, even if that isn't accurate, if there's another story with people putting names behind it, well, then it's game yeah. over, you know? And how do you so, analyze all of this? Well, I don't think you do. I mean, I think it's, yeah. I think it's what you said. It's game over. So I, I just want to be, again, very clear. I've seen Deloitte do some incredible things. I, I've seen him raise money for, for children, for women's soccer, uh, his donations to schools, uh, the, the, the RSL Foundation, and what he's been a part of, he's done some incredible, incredible things, some really selfless things, utilizing uh, the fortune that he's amassed over the years. Uh, there's no, that, that, is, that is undeniable. You cannot argue that. He, is, he has done some right. phenomenal things but uh, over, the, over the timeline that I have known him. Now, that being said, this is not a and, and, and to be clear, I, I my problem with this this idea of cancel culture is that when mistakes are made, no one's given the opportunity to apologize and apologize correctly. That being said, when you are going backwards over years, years, the way the athletic is going, yeah, um, there's no way to, in my opinion, the difficulty to try to apologize for some of the horrifying things in that athletic article, I think that is going to be too much for Major League Soccer to overlook. And to see the sites, and I, and I, this is a momentum, right? This is a snowball going downhill mm-hmm. right now. Um, the fact that the moment that Andy Williams, Aaron Mond, Mick Ramondo, whoever else puts their names to those articles, that's the athlete side. We have yet to hear if there's anyone willing to go on record that are former employees. Because I, I saw a couple different local, quote, I'll, I'll say journalists, uh, on Twitter throwing it out there for stories yesterday. And there are a lot of people piling on. And, you know, I, I don't, I have, I kind of have a tough time with the validity of that going on social media and doing that type of stuff. But um, there was a lot of people that wanted their pound of flesh. And I think right now, I keep using that analogy. I think Deloitte wanted his pound of flesh in the morning, and I don't think he realized that it was going to be his own pound of flesh by the end of the evening. Yeah, well, and to be clear, those stories, you know, those people with those stories, you know, they need to be heard. And especially if they're willing to put their name on it and the blowback that inevitably comes with that. Um, Mm. So it'll be interesting to see if if they... uh, if they share those, and uh, you know, I think Paul Tenorio and Chris Camrani for sure, and other people certainly now too, are out trying to make contact. You know, on those people where the the rumor mill has been out there, and you want, do you want to go on the record now and put your name behind it? And and for their there's own reasons, there may be messages. people who still don't want to. Yeah, there's a lot of text messages. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, DMs that are that are being passed around right now. Um, and and there's you know, I I don't, I don't think this is. I don't think this is over. Um, and what I will say right now for the players, for the meeting, you know, th- this is now, you know, if we get back to soccer for a quick second, if they get on that airplane at 9 a.m., they're playing tomorrow. 
And I'll remind everybody gently that this team, what they went through basically a calendar year ago with Mike Pecky being suspended and ultimately fired, this is a team that rallied around each other inside of that locker room, controlled the controllables, and ended up in third place in the Western Conference heading into the playoffs. So if we're talking big picture, this team will be able to overcome everything that's been happening in the last 24 hours, the moment that they get onto the field. Uh, the flip side of this is I still think that Deloy and Andy Carroll will have to step in front of that group of players, yes. and that group of players uh, need to have the opportunity to say whatever they feel like they need to say without fear of retribution. And I think we're, we're, we're at that point where that has to happen for this group of players to move on based on you know the actions yesterday. So last thing before I let you go here, um, if they force him to sell, does do you think the league values the market and wants to keep it local? I know there will probably be a lot of real estate that might tip in favor of keeping the team here, but when you're in a market this size, and you know this because you played in Columbus and there was just the whole thing with the crew maybe leaving, and they didn't, but does the league value enough that they'll look for local ownership and keep the team here? Oh, boy. Uh, okay. <laughs> this is... Again, one of many conversations I had yesterday, um, there's a lot of conversations happening in real time right now. Uh, and, and, and I know there's, there's a lot of, there, there's the conversation of local self-made billionaires uh, south of the point of the mountain um, whose names have been invoked. Uh, there's a bunch of people locally that have talked about, yeah, let's get together and let's do something should this be made available. Uh, I was... I was talking to an ex-former RSL player that has access to Monopoly money and said, yeah, I'm I'm talking Rio Tinto Stadium. You're talking America First Federal Field as a practice field, and you're talking about everything that's been been built out in Harriman. And reminder, that that Harriman build also included for Deloitte the ability to build apartment complexes and commercial real estate around uh, that facility. There's there's a lot of property that comes along with these three teams plus the academy plus the school. I've been told that it could be valued from anywhere from 350 to 400 million dollars. So should Deloitte be forced to sell this organization, um, I think the timeline that I was told he would be given six months to find a buyer, and after six months, if a buyer wasn't found on his timeline, then Major League Soccer would step in and they would determine the best possible deal available to then sell to whatever buyer is in. So if he gets $400 million, uh, then he walks with whatever, however we want to look at what he, you know, the 20 or $25 million that he paid for to buy out Dave Checkett, uh to the league, to what was built uh, the three teams that have come in since then, um, and obviously the, the, the growth and equity of Major League Soccer as a whole. So, three fifty to four hundred million is what I was told. That is kind of the uh, the value point right now for Real Salt Lake. Sorry, we... the franchise, the organization, franchise, not just RSL. 
All right, that was Brian Dunseth, a color analyst on the television broadcast uh, for RSL, of course, does those games with David James. And speaking of David James, uh, he's got some new in, uh, information in regards to that particular conversation. So we're going to have DJ on the show coming up next. So make sure and, and stay tuned. DJ's got some new info and, of course, his perspective being close to the situation as well. Uh, can't wait to hear it. So stay tuned. David James joins us next. We are at the warehouse, the brand-new Salt Lake location, 1825. Five South, 300 West. Don't forget about their arm location as well, 86 East University Parkway. But the world-famous Clayton joins uh, me now, taking uh, the place of uh, his father, who's busy, by the way, helping customers. Things are, it's all right. I'm better looking anyway. Uh, that That's definitely a fact. Younger, stronger. <laughs> Come on. It's good to see you. And you guys have done such a great job with this new location. And, uh, you know, you guys are a family business, meaning that uh, a lot of the work uh, was put in by the family, including yourself. That's right. We I take pride in it. I'm going to take all the credit. My dad definitely owes me a bonus. What was your favorite part of it, the demo? Yeah, I love taking out the offices and throwing all the stuff out <laughs> and swinging the he- sledgehammer. That's the best part. Yeah, yeah no doubt. But um, Cutting it, in the paint sucks. <laughs> yeah, painting. <laughs> What's worse, the painting or the taping? Yeah, taping for sure. Or are you good enough? Like you see people out there, they're, oh, I don't need tape. I need tape. No, I you got to tape. Paint Anyone anywhere. says they don't need tape, they're lying. <laughs> uh, but you guys have packed this full of furniture, which is actually not that easy a feat in uh, today's day and age. No. Supply chain uh, is what it is. But you guys are continuing to, to have the lowest prices in Utah, and people can actually come in and <laughs> buy furniture, which isn't always true with the other places. And you know what? We take pride in that. We take pride that, you know, my dad's going to sell it to you. He'll ring you up. And then his oldest son will probably bring it to your house, and you're taken care of by a Utah family who we really do love the community. We want to help you, and that's why we're going to give you a deal. If you come in, look at a price, I guarantee my dad is going to get you a deal. He's going to get you what you need at a price that you can afford, and that's not the case really anywhere else. And that's, you know, we've kind of lost that in in today's world. And and speaking of lost that, we love to support Utah, and I'm going to talk about a a sectional that's uh, built here in Utah locally. It's a cool sectional because uh, the name, of course, is the Clayton sectional. Uh Uh-huh. The best name ever. Well-named product. (laughs) Anyways, this sectional usually goes for about $1,700. If you come in and mention me, you heard me, Clayton, here on the big show, I'm going to give it to you for $1,199. All right. Just don't tell my dad. Yeah, no. He's over there. Yeah, good. We're chilling then. Yeah, he didn't hear. Anyways, this sectional is awesome. Come in. You can even order it with different dimensions. What we have on the floor, I can do for $11.99 if you come and want to do a custom. Like I said, it's built here in Utah, so he can do left arm, right arm, put an ottoman, make it bigger, make it smaller. So cool. And uh, he'll get it to you in two weeks, and you can custom order it. But come in today. Say you heard Clayton, Tom's best good-looking son, his favorite son. And I'll give it to you for eleven ninety nine. Eighteen twenty five South, three hundred West, the brand new Salt Lake location. Come down, mention Clayton. He's going to hook you up with the unauthorized price on that couch. Eighteen twenty five South, three hundred West, or eighty six East University Parkway. More of the big show next. Ninety seven five and twelve eighty of the zone. Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, live at the warehouse, 1825 South, 300 West here in Salt Lake. Price is so low. 
It'll blow your mind. Uh, let's get out to the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Of course, uh, you hear them each and every morning uh, alongside Patrick Kinnan on DJ and PK uh, from 6 to 10. Of course, you pass you, the aggressive little punks. <laughs> you see him on KUTV2 News, uh, KMYU, talking sports as well. He is David James. Hi, DJ. How are you? We're doing all right, buddy. We uh, we played your interview with Dunseth from this morning. I thought it was a great conversation and uh, wanted our, our big show listeners to uh, to have a chance to hear it as well. But uh, there's some updated info and conversation that needs to be had, I hear. Uh, there are multiple. One, to correct something or advance something that was in there. When I said that uh, I had not been able to talk to Andy, at that point I hadn't, but now I've talked to Andy Williams. And... The, um, he stands by everything in the athletic about the race and the conversation and, you know, the use of the word um, that you can't use. Uh, stands by all of that. What seems not to be clear here, and I don't think it's going to get straightened out, is the timeline for was he contacted while he was on furlough and was it just to fire him or was it to bring him back in some role? Um, you know, Andy, I spoke to Andy and he checked on his phone and said, I'm looking at my phone right now. I texted them on Monday the 17th. And that was the first, you know, conversation since March. Uh, the club insists that isn't true. There may have been a text that didn't go through. You'd have to line up the digital records to both their phones to get through all these details. But it's just clear to me that, uh, and I think it's clear to everybody, um, you know, that Andy, who's been with the club for a long time, played in the glory days, 2009 MLS Cup, victory, you know, all of that, uh, and is the tide of the glory days, you know, he's going to be moving on. He said his resume is out and he's looking for other opportunities. So... Um, you know, as far as how that got, how that got sideways, um, you really need the phone records because I talked to somebody at the club and they're sticking to their story and Andy's sticking to his and they don't match up. Uh, that's one thing. Uh, the second thing is, uh, I think they're probably going to play in Portland tomorrow. I think if they don't, it, the, the more like, it's more likely that there'd be a problem between the club, the players and Deloitte then it will be tied into the national situation. Now, things can change. It's 2020. Let's not guarantee anything. Anybody who does that is, uh, is crazy. Just ask the Big Ten and their football schedule. So, um, you know, that's another thing, that I think that game probably happens tomorrow night. I think the L.A. game is going to be rescheduled uh, sooner, not later, but that's still got to be nailed down officially. And then I think the other thing is that as far as Deloitte and is he still going to own the club, there are definitely people lining up to buy it. I think the wide-ranging assumption is that there's going to be an ownership change. Um, but no one I spoke to will guarantee that. But I think it's widely assumed that that's going to happen. Uh, there are multiple local buyers. There may well be buyers from outside the market, too. It's way too early to know how that would shake out. There was a team meeting today. The general manager, the coaching staff, the players, uh, there may have been other team staff there as well. Um, and I'm told that that went pretty well, but I'm told the players are upset that Deloitte wasn't there. I spoke to Deloitte's wife last night. Uh, she texted me, and I called her back. And Deloitte declined to speak to me at like 5 o'clock in the afternoon. And she didn't offer to put him on the phone then. Um, but she said that they were leaving town today for a pre-planned trip. And that definitely did not go over well with the players, but that's where it is right now. So those are the headlines from the updates today. But I definitely want to clear up the Andy thing because I hadn't spoken to Andy in the interview that you replayed at that point. I hadn't talked to him and now I had. So DJ, I have a question about uh, if, 
Is it likely that if there is an ownership change that the club would stay right here where it is? I, this is just me. No one, I asked Dunny the same thing this morning. No one can answer that question definitively. I think the reason it probably will is that a change would presumably include a lot of real estate, including the stadium and the training facility in Harriman. Those are both very expensive. And if Deloitte's getting out, I assume he's getting all the way out. And so someone would have to buy those. So why would you buy those and then leave? That doesn't make sense. Um, how many local so, potential buyers are there, you think, uh, based on I think there are at least two, and there may be more. Is one of those groups a, a combination of Monson and James? <laughs> You're dang right. And let me tell you, we're going to turn it upside down. The first thing we're going to do is Gordon's going to drop a list of people who need to be banned from the press box. That's <laughs> job one. Am I right, Gordon? <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> After that, nice. we'll figure out everything else. But we're getting that done first. <laughs> the second thing that's going on is we're going to enclose the press box. Yes, because heaven forbid you wear a jacket. Yeah, I wouldn't want that. To be <laughs> on a glorious summer evening, what would you do that for? <laughs> yeah. I think, we need, I think what we need is some kind of retractable dome for the press box. The glorious summer yeah, evenings, what... we need to be outdoors. But the February-March home game or an October-November home game, you've got to have the option. Because I yeah, have been up there they... when there's snow and ice on the field. That's no good. Yeah, they have that at Autzen, as Jake knows. Yeah. So I think um, it's that. pretty clear that, uh, uh, you know, Ryan Smith made his money at Qualtrics, and he put something out on social media, and then I know people have reached out to him, and he's gone very quiet. <laughs> Which, if you really want to buy a team, people don't want you talking all the time. So that would be the right thing to do. And then I think the other thing is, uh, you know, I think the model that has been very popular in Europe and has been spreading to the U.S. is it – you get rid of a lot of the overhead. It's a lot less expensive to run a second and third team in town than it is to run the first. It makes sense for the Jazz to be interested. Um, you know, will they be interested? Well, tell me what the price is, and then I'll tell you. But, um, you know, we've already seen it because they've already bought the bees, right? And when you have the infrastructure in place and you have the fixed costs in place, you can run that next team more profitably than a new owner can run the first team. You know, so I think that you've got to look at that as an option. But, you know, we're way early on that. People will not 100% guarantee that Deloitte is out, although most people believe that to be true. Most people are not in a position to make it happen either. So, you know, we'll, well see D- how it plays out. DJ, I'm, I'm glad you jumped in with us today. Clear yep. some of this stuff up. It's a, it's a wild story during wild yeah. times, man. So appreciate okay, gonna, you jumping I'm gonna in. Tell you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you one last thing, and then i got to go because i got to go be on TV and i got a couple things to do before I can be on. But the most interesting thing I was told, was that Deloitte was talking to someone in the organization, and he said, the players aren't doing this the right way. You don't do this through the boycotts or you know, the protests and the riots. It's going to take legislation and take government action. And he was told, Deloitte, the players are doing this to get the attention of billionaires like you, people who can get the major power brokers on the phone, inside and outside government, other big business leaders, government leaders. You can pick up the phone and get them. They, yeah, they want the attention of the average fan, but they really want your attention because they know what you say is true. And I was told the delay paused and said, you're probably right. And it's too bad that as he absorbs that, it seems to be the exact moment where he's going to be stepping, stepping outside of the organization. Kind of ironic, but that was one fascinating nugget. And now I really do have to run, and so do you. So keep up the conversation, do a good show, and I'll talk to you guys. Thanks, DJ. That's our friend David James, 6 to 10 every single morning. And as he just put it right there, he's on television.
Uh, he's got a few he's got to do before he gets on <laughs> Lots TV. of makeup and hair uh, <laughs> I, I've got to go because I don't know if you guys know this, but I've got to be on TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, DJ, uh, big, big thanks to him for weighing in. I'm, I'm glad, you know, this story, details are important, right? Uh, just like words are important. And I'm glad he, he jumped in and gave us a little more insight and, and cleared some things up. And you know, DJ has uh, reported through this story yesterday, did a wonderful job and, um, uh, yeah, we appreciate him jumping on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. DJ is a fountain of information. Hey, you know, Gordon, you've you've said a lot of pretentious things on this show, but you've never said I've I've got to go because I've got to do television. <laughs> I like how you were actually trying to wrap it up, and he DJ said, "Well, I'll give you one more, but then I really have to go." Guys. <laughs> I'm so if glad he did. Stop letting me talk more. I don't... <laughs> uh, we don't mean to tease because he really did. He gave us some valuable stuff. That was really yes. interesting. What he said about uh, Deloitte's reaction uh, about hey, hey, this speech is aimed at you. That was a, a really fascinating stuff. So thanks to DJ. Catch him on uh, KUTV two and talking sports on KMYU. Uh, don't watch PK though on Sundays. Please. What are you doing? <laughs> Stay PK tuned. Is, PK is, is, is a reason to tune in. Uh, just don't tell him that. 1825 South, 300 West. That's where we are. The warehouse, their new location in Salt Lake City. Of course, their location in Orem as well. 86 East, University Parkway. More straight ahead, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, live at the warehouse, their new location here in Salt Lake City, 1825 South, 300 West. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Gordon, we have some breaking NBA news. This just coming across from Sham Sharania of The Athletic. Chris Stapps Porzingis has a meniscus tear in his right knee and will miss the remainder of this series. So uh, he's out for at least uh, the rest of this Clipper series. Well, it's only going to last one more game anyway. Yeah, and with a meniscus tear, would he really be back if they moved on? No. Well, I'm not a doctor, but it doesn't sound like it. Well, no. It won't matter anyway. I, I wouldn't think so either. <laughs> Man, did you see the way the Clippers played in that game? Holy oh, yeah, because they woke up and remembered that they have a, a better team than the Bakersfield Jam, which is on the <laughs> other side of the floor. The and Bakersfield who, who, who Jam who and Luca. Who did you say they put on? Luca in that game when he hit the oh, what, uh Jackson, Reggie Jackson. Yeah, a team with Kawhi Leonard and Reggie Jackson's guarding Luka Doncic. Yeah, the ridiculousness of it all was crazy. Yeah, the Clippers woke up and they're like, Oh yeah, we're the we have some of the best players in the world and there there's Luca and a ward ball team over there. We should probably win. <laughs> Let's beat them by 45. <laughs> Seriously. All right. We're live uh, from the warehouse. We're going to have Keith Smith on with us coming up next. He's been breaking news from down there uh, in Orlando. So we'll talk to Keith about what's going on in the NBA. Uh, but joining us now, of course, our friend Tom from the warehouse, 1825 South, 300 West. I love this. Tom, you've been busy today helping people. It's great. 
We we have been busy since this new store opened, which is which is great. Uh, and why are we busy? Because we sell adjustable beds fifty to eighty percent cheaper than our competitors. I've got a customer here right now. They're laying on let's call it the Gordon Special. This Ooh, is the, the nice one. This is the twelve thousand dollar adjustable bed. Uh, this setup on Amazon is literally $11,300. This base has every feature you can imagine. And when I say every feature, you can put the app on your phone and say, Hey, Siri, turn the massage on my feet, and it will <laughs> massage your feet. Hey, Siri, tilt my head up. It will. It has a head tilt feature that just tilts up your wow. head. Wow. Hey, That's Siri, my kind of bed. <laughs> this is the bed. Instead of twelve thousand bucks, we—I've never advertised it. Okay. Thirty-nine hundred dollars. It's the finest wow. in the industry. I can't tell you the brand, because if I did, I have to sell it for the same price as the internet, eleven grand. So plan we can't, on, uh, we can't do that. Ship, plan on shipping that to my house. <laughs> it's Gordon. It's insane the yeah. things that this. But That's let me so tell cool. you what it does. It finds the spot that's perfect for you to get a good night's sleep. Wow, really? And if you want to watch the Ward Ball team and Luca get beat <laughs> in your bed, who's better, Kawhi or Luca? Right now, I'd say Kawhi, but that might not yeah. be true forever. Who's better, Luca or LeBron? LeBron, but again, that might not be true forever. The problem with Luca, he doesn't play both sides of the floor. He's not quite that defensive guy that Kawhi is yet. Yeah. Or LeBron, for that matter. Or Reggie Jackson. Or Reggie Jackson, obviously. (laughs) Who's Reggie Jackson? Baseball player? He's the the straw that stirred the drink in New York. I I thought he was the worst first baseman in the league when he played. (laughs) (laughs) Known for his offense, Reggie. Uh, Mr. October. Yeah, no doubt. In this case, the the playoffs in October, maybe Reggie Jackson is Mr. October on the basketball court. Right. Well, come on down. Do you get the Gordon? We want to call that the Gordon special, or at least We're the Gordon call it model. The Gord- I, I've never advertised it. That's amazing. Uh, it It's brand new. Um, it is not for everybody, but if you want the very best and you want to save $7,000 from the Internet <laughs> price. Wow, that's a lot of money. Come on down. All right, 1825 South, 300 West. It's the warehouse, the new Salt Lake location. Don't forget about uh, Clayton and the gang down there in Orem as well, 86 East University Parkway. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. More Big Show coming up next. We'll talk to Keith Smith straight ahead, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.